What is wisdom? What does that word even mean? How can we implement wisdom in our everyday lives? Psychiatrist and executive coach Dr. Sunil invites you to join him on a transformational and sacred quest to experience meaning, purpose, and fun in both your life and work. These podcasts will not only empower you to wisely navigate through a confusing world, but to grow in body, mind, and spirit, which will ultimately have us dancing with wisdom. Hello, and welcome to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast with me, Sonora Hager. This is our third interview with Mark Green. Mark, it's great to have you again. You're a glutton for punishment, Sonora. <laughs> Absolute glutton. <laughs> well, 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 if you haven't listened to the other two, I really want to encourage you to listen to the others. Mark's great passion is integrating faith in Christ with all of life. And that's been, a, that's been as it were, a consistent theme through all of his life. And in, in the previous two podcasts, we discussed Mark's life journey and all the things that ha- have happened in his life from being brought up Jewish and joyous, right through to being an advertising executive, to working for the London School of Theology, and then being director of London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. But the theme has been, how do I make my faith in God, in a living God, not just not just something for a religious duty on a Sunday, but something that really galvanizes and excites me right through the week. And so I really want to encourage you to listen to the previous two podcasts. And Mark's written a book called Thank God It's Monday. Not Thank God It's Friday, but Thank God It's Monday. It's that really, again, excites and inspires us with wonderful stories and Mark's great humor as well to really take seriously the fact that God is intimately interested in, in our work as a means of service to him as, and as a means of bringing love and life and laughter and joy uh, to those around us. So I really want to commend you to, to listen to that. Well, in this third and final conversation with, with Mark, and thank you for doing this, I've got 10 questions that are your different kind of questions that really will hopefully take us to a higher level of thinking. They're not the kind of questions that you sort of have necessarily at a dinner party or anything like that, but they're questions about opening up wisdom to us Mm. and thinking about who am I, what am I living for, what are my priorities? And as you're going to find out, these questions aren't necessarily perfect by any means and they open up different issues but we'll just see how we go mark is that all right yeah it's, he's, you're he's, the he, boss you're the boss <laughs> he's trusting me you're trusting so yeah. i appreciate your trusting me you've seen yeah. the questions anyway trusting so. Me. <laughs> so mark here's the first one okay yeah. what's the greatest lesson you've learned in your life god is kind wow and why do you say that because i think it's it's true yeah and i think that you know when it occurred to me and I saw that question, I thought it immediately came to mind. Yes. And I think the reason is because it, it becomes a foundation and a reassurance for absolutely everything else. Yes. And I, when you learn that God is kind, then you're less worried about all kinds of things. You're less worried about your performance. You're less yes. worried about your legacy. That's right, yeah. You're less worried about your failures. You may yes. regret them. You're less worried, in a sense, because you know he forgives you for the things that you've done that you yeah, regret. Yeah, wish you hadn't. Yeah. And wish you hadn't. You're less worried about your children if you have them or your other ones. You know, God yes. is kind. He's yes. He's elementally for me. Yes. And uh, he's he's got my back now. And there's a good future to look forward to beyond this life. So God is kind. And also, I think for me, I've just known yes. his gentleness, honestly, yes. as I've gone through some, you know, the difficulties that I've yes. gone through, either myself, uh, 
physically yes. or in my family. So, no, no I, think, I think, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sort of reminded, I think it's a quote from Einstein says, one of the deepest questions we have to answer is that, is the universe for us or against us? And I think if we can answer that, that God is kind. And you're, and you're right. I mean, so many things happen personally as well as in the world around us that, that make us think, oh my goodness, you know, that, that terrify us, scare us. But as the hymn writer says, behind a frowning providence, there is a smiling face mm. that God's ultimately is for me. And the confidence we can have that it's not because of any goodness within me, but because of his goodness to me in Christ. So I'm relying on what Christ has done for me rather than me trying to prove myself. No, that's, I think, that's, 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 that's powerful. Thank you. Wow. What are your greatest successes and why? Well, I'm, you know... You don't like this question, do you? I so, don't like this question. Yeah, no, and tell explain you why, to, and, and I, don't I, like this question. I, I can understand why, but you, you know, tell so, us, yeah. So what, you know, yeah. Partly because, you know, I'm you know, sharply aware that quite a lot of the things that people attribute to me as being, you know, there's a success. Yes, you're a famous book author. Well, not so famous. Fifth edition I haven't sold book. enough copies. Fifth edition <laughs> of the book. But a quick plug. Thank God it's Monday. Flourishing in your workplace. Quick well, plug. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well... So lots of copies, fifth edition, but yeah, but but no, I, I know, yeah. I, but, you know, so, you but, know, somebody would say, well, I, yeah. I did write one book about the, the life of the Queen and sold a million copies. Yes. All the proceeds went to charity. What a terrible mistake. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> That was a failure? No. But, you know, the yeah. idea for that didn't, like, it wasn't, it wasn't my yeah. idea. That, that idea definitely came from above. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, the notion that the Queen would write a foreword for a book, it's never been done before. So wow. she wrote the foreword. Yeah. Never happened before. Well, did I do that? No. no, and then then people say about me, for example, one quite senior person in in the Christian world said, you know, Mark is the person who's put work on the agenda of of the UK church, and that's probably at one level true. Except at another level, when I look at it realistically, an awful lot of people got behind it who were influential to make that the case. Yeah. So no, it wasn't me. I'm just a very, it was a very small fish in a a small institution at the time. So, you know, I look at those things and I think, well, yes, it's a success. And I had a part in it. Yes. But it's very hard, honestly, to go. No, and I think you raise a really important point there because I think the culture around us likes to talk about the hero who's been successful, you know, the Lone Ranger, the cowboy who's done it all by himself. And the reality is that anything of significance requires others. There may be a figurehead or somebody at the front, but they're only there because of a whole host of other people behind them. And yeah, and I, th- I agree with you. I mean, success. And what do you define as success? Because ultimately, again, as disciples of Christ, the true success is having our Father, our Heavenly Father, our God, say, well done, good and faithful servant. But we, won't he- we want to hear that at the end of our lives. And between now and then, who never knows how much longer we've got, there are lots of valleys and pitfalls and ditches along the way that we can stumble on. And so I, I, I agree with you. I mean, that, that's defining success. You know, was it a failure? Is it succeeding at things that don't matter? <laughs> you know? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I mean, somebody once asked me, um, what's your favourite book of all the books you wrote? Yeah. And curiously, that my favourite book was a book of poems. Oh, you mentioned this to me, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, called Adventures, Book of Christmas Poems. And yeah, yeah. the reason it's my favourite, yes. I wrote these poems and I write one every year. Yes. And it often goes out in a Christmas card, which people yes. have to suffer. <laughs> and um, I kind of 
sent them to a publisher and said, I, I'd like to create something beautiful yes. for God. Yeah, yeah. Sounds a bit pious, but that was what I yes. said. Yeah. And so she comes back and says, well, poems, you know, they don't sell very much usually. They're expensive, relatively speaking, for publishers. And, uh, you know, so I was thinking maybe she'll add six illustrations and it'll pump them out. She says, yes. why don't we do an illustration for everyone? Yeah. I said, well, that's a good idea. And then why don't we add a little Bible verse so that people yeah. know where it's come from? And then why don't we add yes. a little fact about the culture that's going yeah. on in the culture? Mary is a pregnant teenager, yes. so we had a fact about how many pregnant teenagers there are in Britain and Wales, yeah. sorry, England and Wales England. in a year, 33,000 at that particular point. Right, yeah. Or Herod is a tyrant. Why don't we have a fact about at the time it was, um, you know, Iraq and Saddam okay, Hussein, same. and he just killed two of his sons-in-laws on the tarmac, you yes. know. Here's another time. Tyrants, yeah, yeah. And then she says, well, why don't we do four pages of poem? Four pages of poem? And nobody does that, mm. you know, with two illustrations. And then she produced in this beautiful hardback book with a gorgeous cover, two yeah. illustrations. The designer was amazing. And then there's this thing that theoretically has got my name on the front. Yes. And it is actually, objectively, it's beautiful. But actually, that was a team effort. Team effort, If yes. you're asking me which is the book I most feel for it's definitely not the book that's had the most impact so maybe that you know it's not the yes. book that people go that changed my life but yes. somehow there was something about the collaboration Action. where together we made something self-evidently much better than i could have ever done on my own self-evidently yes yeah you know um, and that brings a certain fulfillment and joy and satisfaction yeah. That's fascinating. And again, it, it's getting past, as it were, the facade of success in, in the world's eyes, but what really resonates deeply within you. That's fascinating. Thank you. Well, linked to that in terms of how has failure, Mark, shaped your life? When I thought about failures, a lot of them are to do with my character. And, um, you know, I, th I, th I think back and I think of moments which, where somebody's really taught me something that I've tried to respond to. I'm not saying I've succeeded because there's right. a kind of pattern to these things. I remember when I was early in advertising, I had a, a fantastic boss. She was the first female board director in London in an advertising agency, a woman called Monica Tross, absolutely brilliant woman. And I, I, I was tasked to write a, a budget report overnight for Avon Cosmetics because they put me on a cosmetics account because I understand women. <laughs> Your makeup is so good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, um, yeah. So I had to do this thing overnight. It was in seven currencies, as I recall. So, and these yeah. are the days before, you know, computers, yeah. really. I mean, this yeah, is, yeah. you know, this is the last this, century. This yeah. is the last century and early on. So I do this piece of work and I'm up late and then I send yeah. it off by a thing called fax to the yes. client. And it felt to me like an, un, it's not, it's an unfair request. Yeah, yeah. You know, really, it's too much work at too little notice. On the other hand, She'd got it from head office in New York, so it was entirely appropriate. They did need it. I did need to do it then and so on. And I, I ended the letter with, you know, here it is, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, your most humble and obedient servant, <laughs> which no one has written since the 19th century, never mind the 20th. I mean, it's like I love it, awful. love it. So my boss calls me and Monica calls me in and, and, and she doesn't invite me to sit down. And she says, you know, Mark, that was a terrific piece of work, thoroughly spoiled by the way that you signed off that letter. Don't do it again. Ooh. Because it was arrogant and it was, yes. it was sarcastic and it was, yes. it was ungenerous and it was prideful, resentful and not servant-hearted. So I learned a lot cutting, yeah. from yeah. that. Yeah. By the way that she did it, which yeah. was firm, but it wasn't 
and clear. Yes. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what am I here for? And yes. Then, you know, I've had so a number of my failures have been the things that I kind of not oh I made a mistake and we didn't make another hundred million or whatever. It but it's be. the way you did it. It's yeah. The way I did it. Yes. And I'd, I'd probably give. I mean, I could give you more examples if you really want yes. me to wallow in the past. But yeah. But, but I think my failures relate to character often. Character, yeah. No. Th- and thank you for being so honest about that. I think, yeah, wisdom is about finding the best means to the best ends. And God is interested in not just what we achieve and do, but the way we go about doing it. And if we do it, you know, with with a grumbling attitude, a grumbling, you know. And I say this about myself. You know, how often have I been, you know, had a bad attitude? doing things I've been asked to do. And God sees that. And that speaks volumes to him. But that's, that's the area we, we have to grow on. Okay. What do you see as your greatest strengths? I once did this um, Gallup interview, which was basically trying to identify what one's oh, greatest strengths strength find, are. Gallup's, yeah, Gallup's strengths No, I did that one, but there's another one, which yeah. is a sort of advanced leadership one. It's a three-hour oh. telephone interview. Oh, wow. And then they go and pop, pop it through. This, this, is for, this is for the big boys. This apparently is for the big boys, and, and they yeah. did it. <laughs> they asked, uh, actually, a woman called Jill Garrett, who's absolutely brilliant, to do it. She had, she'd been the managing director at Gallup, so she did the decoding. Yeah. Just after I joined London Institute for Contemporary Christianity as the chief executive. It's yeah. not a big organization. Yeah. And it was even smaller then. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so she does this and she then tells me what my greatest strengths are. Yeah, yeah. And she tells me also, it was an incredibly liberating moment in terms yeah, yeah. of, you know, one of the things you're interested in, which is wisdom and knowing who we are. Yes. She told me, Mark, Mark, you're not really, not really a leader. And she said, she said to the board, you know, Mark is not a managing director type, really. Oh. But if it doesn't work, he won't be able to stand it. So he will make it work. <laughs> it's not what he wants to do, but he will make it work and it's not working. Yes. Uh, anyway, she then told me what I was... a perseverance kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, perseverance. So she told me what I was good at. Yeah, yeah. And I then went home and told my wife. Ah, what did Katrina say? Yeah. And she said, I could have told you that for nothing. <laughs> I just hadn't seen it. <laughs> so what I discovered I'm good at is yeah. reframing things for people, helping people yes. see reality or a, an idea or a product or a service yes. in a fresh way. So helping people see work in a fresh way, That's helping wonderful. people God in a fresh way. Wow. That's one of my abilities, which, by the way, yeah. is something that advertising trains you to be better at. To be better How at... do you help somebody see a yes. product or a service in a fresh way, see its benefits yeah. in a fresh way. And what's lovely about that is that you're also able to see, if you like, a melodic line through your life. Indeed. In a sense, you haven't stopped doing what you were created to do, but the context and environments for that is what's changed. Yeah. And it's got refined and refined. Indeed. And I think when I look back on it, you know, whatever one may think about that industry, or even the organisation I worked for, which, as mm. I said before, was, I thought, outstanding group, yeah, of, people, it, yeah. outstanding yeah. group yeah. of people to work with. That experience, the experience of working, the experience of seeing God at work, and the yeah. lessons about that that were taught me, as well as the skills, were, yeah. in fact, the foundation for everything that I did afterwards. Beautiful. That's, that's really beautiful. Um, I mean, we could stick with these questions for longer and longer, but I, for the sake of time, I'm going to keep moving. And I think, the, and obviously the purpose of this is for our listeners, you know, to see their own life experiences and think about what's the wisdom that they can glean from the things that you're sharing. So the fifth question is, who are your mentors and role models and why did you particularly look up to those particular people? I suppose now so. or in the past? Yeah, I, I any suppose, way you want to answer it. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I've had a number of people, I think, along the way who've, who've um, kind of shaped me. I suppose I had a formal mentor, and, you know, in the, in the Christian jargon, we call him a disciple maker, you know, a mm. discipler, a guy called Lewis Trippett, who, right. when I met him, he was in New York, and he, he was a lawyer working for the, the time, the Bell Telephone Company. Yes. And um, there's a number of stories about him in the book. And he was married. He had one child at the time. And by the time I think I left New York, he had four. He came alongside me, really. And mm. he mm-hmm. he listened to me and he helped me not to go off the rails. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, he taught me a lot about the Bible, taught me how to pray. He taught me... Very important foundational, yeah. All that foundational stuff. And I discovered about two or three years in that when he first met me, I had got his name from someone in London. As I said, before I went to New York, he was in a particular church. And when he first met me, I discovered about two or three years in that he said to me, you know, when I first met you, I didn't particularly like you. Oh, right. And, um, and I thought to myself, well, I can understand that. <laughs> but I also thought, how kind that he nevertheless took me on. He didn't take it on. He didn't take it personally. Yeah. You know, we did, I mean, we definitely did then get on very well. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. the point was he but took me on initial, initially. Yeah. So he was very, again, there's a, there's a humility in that. Mm. And uh, I suppose in terms of, so he was probably the, the most, somebody that you could class as a mentor, mm. if you like. And then there have been a, a number of people that I've yeah. uh, learned from along, along the way whose, whose life have been significant. Um, Peter Cottrell, who was the principal of London Bible College, so very clear, such a brilliant, leader and but also i suppose one of my children is his middle name is steve and he's named after one of my teachers at bible college a guy called steve mateer yes and steve was a very good teacher but there was just something holy about him wow yes there was something godly and kind about him and i suppose i just picked up on that it wasn't if you like because I mean, Steve is a very good teacher, but it wasn't, gosh, gosh I, I remember every, yeah, every word he, he taught, said. yes. It was more... But it goes back to, to the, character, the, the character of who he was. Character so, yeah, of the person. Yeah. And again, that's such an important theme. Can I ask a question? I mean, we've not scripted this. Who's the book, to, who's Thank God It's Monday de- dedicated to? Because uh, he, he's no longer with us. So. This guy, it was Robert so was, Martell. And Robert yeah. Martell was my secretary, my, my secretary in, in New York. Young man, he was probably, I mean, I was fairly young. He was probably 24, 25, whatever, when he first started working with me. Yeah. And he was amazingly talented, very gentle. And we were constantly trying to get him promoted. And it took a very long time before it happened. Yeah. We felt somewhat unjustly, as you do when you've, you're very enthusiastic about somebody. But he got uh, motor neuron disease, oh, degenerative disease. Right. And uh, he got it after I'd already come back to. England and I saw him once when I came to New York and I asked him how he was. I didn't know he he, he didn't tell me he was ill at the time, but looking back on it, he he it was clear that he already yes. was because he kind of ducked the question somewhat. Yes. But he bore his illness, which is incredibly yeah. difficult, sure, very yeah. gently. It's a, it's a horrible disease, yeah. And he he yeah. talked about no heroic men- measures mm. and the sense that God had somehow prepared him to die having not achieved or, all that, or he seen, all that he wanted to do or yes. had all his dreams fulfilled. And he was very kind to me. He was a great, he was a great PA. So that's yes. why the book is dedicated to, to him. him. That's helpful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. 
So apart from Thank God It's Monday and Dancing with Wisdom, what book should we read and why? I find this quite a difficult question because when yes. everybody, when a particular person asks me that question, yeah. I have, I normally have a thought of that of a particular book. My first, if you ask me what should somebody read, mm. then I, my answer would be the poem Love by George Herbert. Right, yes. So that's something that's... You have memorised every by any chance. Well, I'm, I know the first verse off by heart. Love made me welcome, yes. yet my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin. Yet quick-eyed love drew nearer, sweetly questioning. And it's, it's, it's an allegory, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. an allegory about God coming to, to us, us yeah. and how, it, how he comes to us. Yes. So that poem has been very, very significant to me. Yes. And it's about the kindness of God, about yes. his openness, about his invitation, and about how at the end it says, you know, well, Lord, I will come in and I'm going to serve. And he says, first... You yes. must sit and taste my meat. Yes. So I did sit and eat. In other words, what God wants from us first and foremost is our relationship. Mm. He wants to be with us. He wants to feed us. He wants to yes. enjoy our company. And amazingly serve us as well. And serve us yeah. as opposed to, okay, now you're part of the army, off you go. Yeah, that's right, yes. Um, a book that comes to mind that I think many people would might enjoy is a, a mm. slim book mm. by a man called Richard Sennett. S-E-N-N-E-T-T, which is called The Corrosion of Character. Right. And it is a quite brilliant book. I suppose it's about probably 15 years old now. Right. And it's a slim book, so wonderful. Okay. You can read it quickly. Yeah. Relatively quickly. But what he looks at is how the culture around us has changed and how that puts us under pressure to perhaps behave in ways which are mm. not consistent with perhaps the way we've been brought up or our instincts. Yes. And he uses the example of uh, second-generation Italian families in New York who are the sons of and, and daughters of immigrants who've come in. And those immigrants have worked incredibly hard. They worked in a bread shop. They yes. worked incredibly hard for them yeah, yeah. so that their children can have jobs in IT and so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah, yeah. And family really matters yeah, and yeah. connectedness and long-term relationship there all the people in this bakery are good yeah, friends sounds like south asian families you yeah. know really good mm. friends and they stick with one another mm. and if somebody behaves badly they tell them what for and all that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff and then they go out into their, their sons and daughters goes go into this world where instead of working with the same people all the time yeah you're meant to look out for yourself and not stay in a company yes. every three or four years and then move yes. here and move there. Yes. And all those values are then under threat. Yes. So what he helps one see, even though obviously culture keeps on changing, yes. what is the culture doing to me yes. as I move through my life? Is yeah. it, in a sense, pushing me to behave in ways which almost inadvertently I'm losing things that are important to me? Yes. So yes, it's great to go and work abroad or do this or do that, yeah, but yeah. have I thought about what I might lose yes. as well as what I might gain? Fascinating. So yeah. I'm, I found it a really So The Corrosion of character, character by Richard Sennett. That sounds very, yeah. I shall make a, a note of that. It sounds well worth that. Uh, well, he'll get one sale out of you at least. <laughs> no, no, no. It sounds <laughs> but I think, again, that wisdom is, I mean, that character formation is just vital to wisdom. And, you know, going thinking about work as well, people are hired for their technical skills. So if you want to be a brain surgeon, you've got to know something about the brain. Doesn't you help. do have to know something about the brain. But it's the people skills and character 
and and people skills you know we're more and more aware of the importance of people skills you know so what so people are hired for their technical skills but they're fired or leave jobs because of lack of their or their managers people skills but it's the character um which is vital really yeah. like that what have you done that we should do you've been in a kibbutz you've been an advertising executive you've grown up jewish well not that we can grow up jewish but anyway you know <laughs> no dance i think <laughs> you, you good dancer well, you know, you know. Ask Katrina, ask Katrina. Ask my children, you get a very different answer. Okay. Right no, there. I think the point about it is dancing is good. Yes. However good or bad you are at it. You know, yes. I used to, to dance away in a room all by myself, and I sometimes still do, because actually it's just good for you. But it's also... Yes, it's a whole body experience. It's a whole it? body experience. Yeah, and I think, you know... Just a, to dancing with wisdom. I mean, that's the whole thing about dancing as well, is that you have to, if you're dancing with somebody, you could be aware of what they're doing. And there's a sense of mystery as well with that. But uh, it, it, it brings the emotion and the joy and the delight. I like dancing with people. I also like dancing on my own. Yes. Just as oh, a point. Okay. Because well, wait, wait, wait. I, I agree. I, I dance just on my because, own as well. Because yeah. actually, yeah. I think that's also joyous. And, it's joyous. And then and I don't have to, actually, one thing that's liberating, I then don't have to worry about putting my feet in the right place. <laughs> Good <laughs> Or point. indeed my arms. Self-convinced <laughs> secret dancers. I, and, and I'm part of that club as well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, what growing up was your picture of God? I think growing up, it was very misty. Yeah, I don't unclear. Think, he was unclear. distant. He was far away. Yeah, mm. but I, I don't necessarily think. Therefore, I thought of him as cold. Mm. But I, what I mean is, it, it was vague, yeah. not necessarily remote. Just it was rather vague growing up. Yeah, yeah I think okay. vague, vague. And but obviously, it's become glorious, more technicolor and real. Which it is has. yeah, yeah. That, has. That's what, so there's hope for us all of us on that. Yeah. Final question: If you had unlimited time and money with no responsibilities, what would you do? Probably what I'm doing now. Yeah, so that's a wonderful answer. I mean, and that's just really, yeah. Isn't that great privilege? It is. It is a great privilege like that. Mm. It is. Mark, thank you so much for these three interviews. We've got to know a little more about you. We've got to know more about your heart and your passions. And most importantly of all, we've got to know more about the kind God who has been working in your life. And uh, it's inspired and encouraged us to what he can do in ours. So thank you. Shalom. You're very shalom. welcome. Thank shalom. You. Shalom. You've been listening to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast, presented by Sunil Raheja. For details on the Dancing with Wisdom book and its accompanying workbook, please visit drsunil.com. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, then please share it, give a thumbs up on YouTube, and help it grow by leaving a nice review. Life's challenges can diminish, define, or develop you. Which will it be? Make sure you hunger for the wise one. The choice is yours.